Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Banking Experiences, a Hyosung interview podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, welcome back to another in-studio conversation here with the Hyosung interview team as we continue to explore major trends, technologies, and evolutions that are shaping the world of banking today. Make sure that you're heading to our website, hyosunginterview.com. Again, that's hyosunginterview.com. For more information on the technologies and solutions that we're going to be uh, breaking down today in our conversation, but also just for previous episodes of our podcast, you'll find plenty of conversations on the retail sector, the self-checkout sector, and of course, the banking sector all on our website. You can also subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So Just hit that subscribe button. You'll find a full catalog of previous episodes as well as notifications when we drop new conversations. All right, team, let's jump in. We've got quite a lot to cover today, and we're going to be diving deep with today's episode into the dynamic evolutions of bank branch operating models. So over the past decade or so, the banking landscape has uh, witnessed, excuse me, a seismic shift with major innovations that have been reshaping the very essence of how banks operate and also how they serve their customers with putting that customer experience front and center and letting that guide evolutions for bank branches and their operating models. So from the traditional long counters of teller lines and vast vaults to the modern day compact and automated branches that define banking, the transformation has been nothing short of revolutionary. But we wanted to use today's conversation, since we've touched on some of these topics before, to kind of pulse check late 2023, where are things at with this transformation, right? Where is this revolution of bank branch operating models introducing opportunities for better relationships between said bank branches and their customers? Where is it introducing some operational challenges for banks that they're having to adjust to? what technologies are going to be key to support the modern bank branch? And how are some larger industry trends, demographic trends, and technology trends shaping the future of those operating models? Well, we're gonna break it all down here today with another episode of the podcast. Now joining us to shed light on this evolution and help contextualize the larger scope of these trends is a frequent guest of ours here on the Hyosung Interview podcast series. My good friend, Mr. Bill Buddy, Vice President of Banking Strategy and Solutions here at Kyosung Interview. Bill, it's been a hot minute, but welcome back in studio. And I'm great to, you know, grateful to have you here on the podcast with us. Always great to be here. It's always fun to have these conversations. Yeah. I really appreciate the uh, big introduction, too. It's always nice to always nice to feel welcome. Right? Oh, absolutely, man. Good hey, times. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to make sure <laughs> Bill Buddy is well platformed, you know. So thank you again for your time. And I'm looking forward to picking your brain on these trends. Sure. Uh, And again, getting that pulse check for our audience on where these evolutions, which aren't necessarily anything that new, we have seen them materialize slowly, but really get a pulse check on where they're at late 2023 and get a sense for what is new about certain dynamics uh, within bank operations, uh, but also how some of these trends that maybe were nascent a few years ago are starting to become more standardized today. Uh, which I think really speaks to the larger evolutions we're seeing in bank branch operations. So let's start here. A lot of the bank evolution over the years, you know, though we can pinpoint some of these trends across the industry, they haven't necessarily been implemented in sort of like wide sweeping waves with regulation saying, okay, now every bank has to 
have a micro branch or something, right? Or every bank mm -hmm. has to have a, a cash recycler or anything like that. Uh, it's really been more of an individual pace per branch, per company, uh, with tech that augments and streamlines existing offerings. I'm curious how that sort of individualized approach has shaped the last several years of bank branch operating model changes. Mm -hmm. What have you seen, right? How, how does that dynamic influence where we're at today? Well, it's, it's an interesting bifurcation, actually, of some of the things that do tend to change in the banking space. Because um, you do have a whole list of regulatory things that everybody has to adhere to. Right. Um, and the, making any kind of change costs money, takes an investment of both time and human capital, as well as investing real dollars to make those changes happen. And when they're regulatory, of course, everyone has to do it and it's by a timeline or what have you. Um, every bank has its own budget, right? So what's left over after they do the things that they have to do is what they can spend on investing to, you know, a lot of cases make their operations different, better, more efficient, more effective, mm -hmm. uh, what have you. Um, and of course, you can't do everything because you have a limited budget. Sure. So you tend to get uh, you get a lot of banks that they're kind of every bank shows their north star with those with those decisions. They they're kind of showing how they prioritize different angles of things. Do they prioritize um, a different uh, customer or member experience, or do they prioritize being as as efficient as possible? Do they prioritize uh, educating customers uh, more directly? Which are the things that they uh, prioritize, which raise to the top of their kind of investment list. So you get uh, a sampling of banks who uh, some will introduce a type of technology that is specifically about making the cash flow in their branch be as, as efficient as possible. Yeah. And others, you get um, investing in technology that allows uh, their employees to not have to do rote tasks all the time and frees their time up for having rich conversations with their customers. Um, and you, like, so there's a lot of different categories of that investment, um, which does, to your point, then get kind of a, a little bit of a very kind of wide range of different types of implementations. Right. You get and a lot different of paces too. And at different, yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Yes. Very good. Uh, also the scale of your investment determines the pace, right? right. Um, so you get banks that go all in on a bunch of different efficiency technologies and now they've kind of in the blink of an eye almost, three or four years, they've totally changed the way they build branches. And you have other banks that it's a little bit more of a crawl pace where little small iterations at a time because that's the way, uh, again, a little bit of their corporate culture. Mm -hmm. Switching on a dime is not what all banks do. So it's a little bit more of a softer curve, right? Mm -hmm. So they, those changes kind of happen a little bit longer over time. Um, so the kind of then consequence is you don't have universal adoption of any one of these technologies right. yet. So there's that you still have a lot of when some when a bank decides to make that investment, there's a lot of learning curve that goes on with that because there is no universal playbook for a lot of these things yet because they are still, you know, I, I did part of this or I did this 90% of the way or I've done these three things but not these four things right. and somebody else did well these two things plus this one thing but not the other four things too. So it uh, it becomes a little bit of a very unique implementation every time. Um, as more and more of those technologies are adopted, it starts to become a little bit more homogenous again and a little bit more um, straightforward and, and standard to adopt for the later adopters. Yeah. But it's still a long way from that because you still have a, a lot of different, a, a lot of different ways to uh, skin that cat, for lack of a better yeah. 
analogy, right? No, yeah, very true. And, you know, I think what has been a unifying factor is an acknowledgement that these technologies and these investments are all serving the customer experience and mm. are innovating upon it and almost letting the customer further define and iterate upon their own experience, right? As the technology kind of puts a little more power back in the customer to define the experience they want to have, it sort of changes the dynamic and the relationship between the branch and the customer uh, in what I would consider a positive direction. But let's get a little more specific on some of those changes, mm -hmm. right? Can you walk us through the journey of bank branches over the last several years? What have been some of those key changes sure. and how have you seen them further evolve from their more traditional setup to the modern bank and bank branches and operations that we see today? Yeah, so I mean, when you talk about that kind of, I guess what is termed as that traditional setup, right? It's the, the easy analogy there is that it's kind of like the grocery store where the yeah. milk's in the back and you got to walk past everything else to go get the milk because that's what you came to the grocery right. store for. Maybe I'll grab that Rice Krispie treat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You <laughs> see everything as you're going. Um, the the milk in the bank branch case was the big teller line in the back of the branch. Yeah. Uh, nine nine times out of ten, ninety nine times out of hundred, a lot of times customers were walking to the would walk into the bank because they had transactions they needed to do. Right. And walking past all those banker offices, banker cubes to to provide a chance for richer banking interactions that they might not have thought they wanted at the time, but it's a, you know, the upsell style of right. opportunity to get all the way back to that teller line. Was it a key feature of the way you designed branches? Um, and branches were designed that way for decades, right? That was just kind of the standard. That was kind of the template. Um, and then you had the big operation space in the back of that, where you had tons of tables and open space where people would spend hours before and after the branch was open, uh, counting all the cash to make sure that they were in balance every single day. Yeah. And then, you, as you mentioned earlier, you have the big vault where, you know, the, like you see in the, you know, heist movies with the big, you know, wheel and yeah. the bars that go out to lock into the wall and everything to store all the money at the end of the day. Um, and as more and more technology has come into play in a couple of different categories, probably the biggest one is cash automation. Mm -hmm. As more technology has come into play from an automation perspective to simple things like the counter, the countertop cash counters um, to more, uh, more, um, more, uh, more technically difficult things like a TCR or even into your ATMs that have existed for a while, but were pretty simple for a long time until the last couple of years now, the, the ATMs can count and recycle and store and sort cash themselves in an automated fashion right. um, in a totally uh, in a totally self-service automated fashion as well. Um, now you've got kind of a wide range of technology that makes all of those processes that existed forever and ever and ever because people had to count that cash manually because there's no other way to do it, um, now can become quicker. You know, even that the simple countertop cash counter takes away a lot of the big space that you used to have to kind of sort and store all that money because it right. counts it by denomination. But then when you add to it the, the TCR style capabilities where it doesn't just count it really quickly, but it also puts it neatly in a specific container that can also be automatically uh, retracted from in the future um, into self-service devices as well that manage their own internal cash. Um, now you get A, you get a lot less of a need for having a big long teller line and then on top of that, you have a lot less need for all that space to count and operate with all that cash because it stays more compact. It stays, you know, under 
under control under automatic control a lot more often a lot longer so you have a lot less moving it around um you you cut you, you that specific category alone gives you the ability to kind of cut some space out of the branch that you don't need anymore make it a little smaller make it a little compact right um which becomes very valuable when banks want to advance into new cities that they don't operate in right, right? you want to go into a downtown of a large city you used to have to build a 4,000 square foot branch. There's not a lot of open places in large cities where you can just plop down a 4,000 square foot building. True. Um, but now if you can open buildings that are smaller that still service your customers in the same way, you have a lot more choice of where to put some of your branches in a dense downtown area. And then you add some other technology, you kind of get the video banking technologies mm -hmm. and online banking technologies too. And now you even transform um, the main activities that happen in a branch is no longer that 99 out of 100 customers that walk into a branch just came in to do a transaction. They're doing a transaction online on the couch on their PC or on their phone when they're on the move or even at an ATM. Um, they're walking into a branch because they still value the relationship with the bank that is storing their money, but also a partner in their financial future. And they are coming in because they need to either they have life events that they need to make modifications for. My, my daughter just turned 16. We're talking about getting a new car, so we might need another car loan. Nice. Um, or getting ready to go to college and making sure your 529 plan is, is correct and time appropriate based on the age of your child. Sure. Or talking about your IRA because you have your time horizon for when you're going to retire. All that kind of stuff. Um, no one, everyone can't be an expert in all that stuff. That's really kind of the core service that banks really offer from a safety and security of your financial future perspective. And that's what really kind of drives then people coming in and really wanting that relationship, wanting that advice. The technology put around it allows the employees in the branch to be free to have those rich conversations without having to worry about spending all their time counting the cash and moving all the money around and stuff. They're really kind of focused on that relationship with the customer. So totally. it kind of changes the dynamic of what happens from a customer perspective in the branch too. Yeah. And to your point, it gives the customer the ability to chart their journey. Right. And, this, yeah. and you know, we, we see this manifest in some very specific ways, which we're going to break down mm -hmm. here on the podcast in a little bit, but this includes things like cashless branches mm -hmm. that we're starting to see pop up now. Micro branches, like you right. mentioned, right, in, in urban settings where the traditional giant brick and mortar footprint is just not viable or doesn't make, you know, uh, economic sense anymore. But before we expand on those trends, I want to get your thoughts on sort of the chicken and the egg mm -hmm. scenario here, which is, is the technology that is making these new operating models possible, is it motivating the shift, right? Is the, is the impetus the tech itself? Or are these operating models something that banks were already eyeing, they wanted, they were moving in this direction, and rather the technology is just helping further realize the trend rather than motivate it in the first place. What are your thoughts? Well, that's, so that's an interesting question because there there is a little bit of kind of the, the chicken and the egg and both, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, I think there, there's a big part of, a big part of the answer to that question is really kind of understanding the art of the possible. Yeah. Um, before some of that technology existed and was relatively stable and, and easy to implement, it, I'm not sure that you would have had a lot of people in the banking industry who could have articulated, hey, we want to have 
micro branches that automate everything because it really right. wasn't thought of as kind of that in the realm of possibility at that point because that's not the way things were done. Right. There was motivation to, you know, be able to do things like get into smaller locations to be able to easily, more easily enter a market. But I'm not sure that there was the kind of thought around it of this is how we would do it. Right. Um, and then this technology starts to come along where, um, you know, instead of having this, this kind of, you know, 30, 40, 50 different kinds of transactions that all had to be done by a teller sitting on a counter with a teller platform to, that was very kind of, you know, full functioned and could handle every single type of trading money back and forth. All of that stuff being able to then migrate onto a self-service style device that can do 99% of that stuff, pay your bills, um, withdraw money from your home equity line, uh, make a payment on your car loan, um, deposit a check where part of it goes to making a payment and part of it goes to your checking account. Some relatively complex transactions that yeah. up until a few years ago really weren't thought of as something that you could ever automate. Now, when all that stuff is automatable, now you can start to envision building a location that is a full service location for your banking customers. Right. Um, where if they want to do a transaction, well, the self-service device helps them do that transaction. Yeah. And if you want to have the banking conversation, well, that's what the bankers are there for. But you can, when you talk about the concept of micro branches, for instance, you could have two little offices and two ATMs and that's your entire branch. Right. Um, if you really want to push it to the extreme, which some banks have started to do that, especially in like their in-store partnerships where they have that tiny little branch inside a grocery store. Right. It's tiny. It fits in the palm of your hand almost. And it's a couple of banking offices and a couple of ATMs. Um, you know, I mean, the automation piece where you can automate, you can create locations where, you know, the standard choice is automation for every one of the transactions that a customer is going to come in for. Now you don't need any of that space that would have traditionally gone to a full teller line with the operational part in the back. Um, and then you could have something as little as two offices and a couple of ATMs. Um, and you know, you can then kind of use it as almost the kind of Lego building block style of how do we want to create those experiences? Do we want to have a location that's a little bigger that now has a teller line and a couple of ATMs for, or self-service kiosks or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. ITMs, I think is a term that sometimes gets used where they're more full function. Um, do you want to have a, 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 you know, a customer choice of how they experience those transactions? Do you want to have four or five different bankers because you need to have a, a mortgage banker on staff all the time in this location because of the where it is? Um, you have a lot of different optionality, but you can build it in a lot of different ways because there, there's a whole lot more choice in the types of technology you can put in there that really right. didn't exist 10 to 15 years ago. Right. And now, uh, you know, that can manifest in ways where the human element is obviously still there, but is, um, you know, completely removed from the physical footprint. You know, when we see things like video tellers oh, yes. in the most advanced versions of ATMs today, uh, you know, pretty powerful seeing these evolutions take hold and introduce new operating models. But you brought up uh, a good point here, which is that automation is really key, right? Automation is the big operational layer that is bringing the most possibilities to brick and mortar banking, but also introducing maybe some operational challenges or at least just nuances that are unique to the space and that um, you know banking professionals are having to adjust to mm -hmm. and um, companies as well at large. I'm curious where you see automation shining the most for bank operations. Where is it really uh, 
you know, in its prime and uh, doing the most for the future of banking. But also, excuse me, but also, how are you seeing it disrupt some of these traditional operations for banks in ways that are challenging, not necessarily negative, but just it is new and mm -hmm. it's a bit of a challenge to adapt. So the well, good and the bad. So, yeah. So I think um, the, the, the I, I think one of, on the good side, I guess, of that equation, um, you, you, you kind of see that technology that, that um, basically does kind of what I was just describing with the teller line piece, where right. it's um, anything that a customer wants to transact with that bank, they can choose to do it in a self-service fashion if they want to. Um, and it really kind of totally disrupts the way that a, a bank not just builds its location, but also creates its process list. Because at every company, you have your book of processes that, you know, have to, if you have any size at all, you have to have kind of standard processes so that customers get the same experience wherever they go. And especially in an industry like banking, where you have to make sure you're keeping track of your customer's money, there's a lot of um, importance placed to processes happening the way they're supposed to happen every time they're executed. Um, so when all that changes, when customers do things differently now, when capabilities are added that allow customers to do things differently, well, the whole lift of processes has to change too. And then the way you audit those processes has to change. And it, it, it really disrupts it for the better in that a lot of those processes now become simpler. So they're simpler to audit, they're simpler mm. to keep track of, they're simpler to make sure they're happening. It's just you have to go through that change. Um, I do think on the negative side though, the challenge that comes in is that when you also kind of add to the mix, you know, online banking and mobile banking, which are a lot of those same capabilities as well, um, you do get a lot of customers who don't make their way into a brick and mortar location anymore. Mm. And you really have, the challenge comes in making sure that your customers are educated about the value that they can get by showing up at your door. Right. Um, because there has to be some value there or they're not going to be your customer anymore. You, you know, and it was kind of those examples I was talking about before where it's like, you know, you're not just the bank that holds their money. You right. are a partner in their financial future. Um, and when customers see value in that, they're going to walk through your door right. a lot because they're going to want to make sure that their financial future is secure and you're a partner there to make that happen. For sure. Um, and it's a challenge because it's, you know, that's a hard concept to be able to educate a lot, a lot of people about, you know, any, any bank has a lot of customers trying to educate all your customers about how valuable that is can be difficult. Right. Um, and it can be very challenging to do successfully do well. Now I want to expand then on the technology that's powering some of these operational mm -hmm. shifts. We've already spoken on them, but I just want to give each of them a chance to shine a little sure. bit here. Um, so let's talk ATMs. Yep. These have been around for 50 years, you know, ATMs aren't new, but the technology facilitating automated banking experiences is kind of helping, I don't know, fully realize and almost recontextualize the A in ATM, right? Mm, the automated yes. aspect of an ATM is really stepping into its own now. And um, you could even say again, being fully realized. So how have you seen the role of the ATM in the physical banking, uh, branch and operational model, how have you seen that role and functionality change in recent years? And what are the technologies that are making those changes possible or motivating the changes in the first place? Um, yeah, so there, I think if in the, on the ATM side, I think it's really two kind of key pieces. Because mm. um, yeah, ATMs, I mean, they've been around since the 60s. And for the right. longest time, 
they were created as relatively single function devices, even though it was an automated teller machine. It really just basically sped out $20 bills right. or $10 bills or whatever you put in it. It just um, automated the physical yes. act of, here's your money. Yes. Yeah, it right. It was huh? a $20 bill vending machine, right. basically. Yeah. Um, and if you want to do anything more complex than withdraw $100 from your account, you had to go through a whole different set of processes. You had to show up between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. You had right. to you know, talk to somebody. And um, it, it, so a lot of those, Transactions were still happening inside the branch as well, um, but they were useful. It was useful to be able to stop at an ATM at 10 o'clock at night if you needed $100 before you were going to go out to dinner or whatever. Right. Um, as more functionality got embedded in them, so it was, it's a little bit of a cyclical thing, these two things. As more functionality got embedded into those things, people use them more often. Uh, we talked about this the last time I was here about the way people pay. Cash is still a very large part of our economy. So as more and more people started using ATMs, um, the amount of cash flowing through them increased quite a bit. Um, so just lately in the past few years, the ability for those ATMs to take in cash from customers and not just put it in a bin and wait for somebody to empty it because it'll fill up pretty quickly, right. but instead sort it and store it into different cassettes by denomination, then reuse that cash for the next customer who wanted to withdraw right. um, is a huge change because it means those machines need a lot less care and feeding to continue to stay up for customers. Okay. And then the other side of that equation is the, you know, the evolution from what was for probably 40 or so years, a single function device to something that um, can do pretty much anything you as a customer need to do by exchanging cash with your bank. Right. Um, paying your mortgage, pay, like all those examples, paying your auto bill, being able to take an advance out of your HELOC, being able to withdraw money from one account and then deposit it into a different account, being able to even do non-cash transactions while you're in the middle of that stuff, or right. checks, which are still a pretty big part of our economy as well. And being able to do that really changed the device from a single function utility to something that now can have this level of functionality that's on par with the teller line, right. that big teller platform that every single teller line, teller station had to have a PC on it that could operate this complex teller platform to do all these different transactions. Being able to do that in self-service because instead of that ATM being that single purpose device, but it's connected directly into your banking core, just like the teller platform is, right. now makes it such a much more multifunctional device that it uh, makes it a, you're able to use it for a whole lot more than just that single function that it started with. So I think those two things are the things that really kind of have transformed that device in people's eyes. Now let's talk about the cash recycling layer here, mm -hmm. right? Um, TCRs, teller cash recyclers are um, a key part of the automated future of banking. Um, they're both sort of a, a hardware layer that's being integrated into other self-service kiosks, you know, the ATMs and co of the banking world, um, but also taking on their own sort of focused form as well. I'm curious how TCRs have helped transform the banking experience in your perspective, how they play a supplemental or a, a kind of a driving role mm -hmm. in those changes in terms of efficiency and space utilization. And um, how do you see them further automating banking operations? Well, yeah, and that's, that's, that's a great compliment to ATM, the, the TCR, um, put inside a branch really uh, lightens the cash operational load um, for the portion of stuff that's not self-service right. that happens in your branch. Because again, 
banks generally like to have choice for customers. So a customer can walk in and use a self-service device or walk in and talk to a teller to do a transaction. Right. And giving that teller the tools like a TCR that lightens their load on a day-to-day basis, meaning that for every transaction that now you walk up to a teller where if they don't have that tool, they've got to pull money out of a drawer and count it and then hand it over to you. And at the end of the day, count down what's left in their drawer and balance it against what should be based on the transaction record of the day. Right. Um, Taking that operational load off of the employee um, and putting it onto a machine Mm. does a couple of things, right? It, it, It creates an environment where you don't have to, again, do all that countdown at the end of the day. And um, and, uh, it becomes a lot easier to operate, a lot easier to close things at the end of the day, but it also removes a lot of stress from employees that do that job because being a teller is a really stressful job. Like you have to count things fast and accurately all day, every day. And if you don't, if you're off by $20 at the end of the day, and that happens a couple of times, you can get fired for that. And it's a, that's a hard job to be in on a day in day out basis. Um, and when you can take that stress off of it, and now the job becomes much more about what can I help you with? Yeah. Um, oh, how can I help your day get better? How, what can I make happen for you? Even if it's just you need to withdraw $100, but I don't have to worry about whether it's my drawer is going to balance at the end of the day because the machine counted this $100 just like it counted the last $100 from the last customer, just like it counted the deposit that that small business brought in to make sure it was accurate. Right. I'm not stressed about, did I count it right? Oh, did I miss a $20 bill in that deposit? I'm only worried about what your needs are as a customer. And it transforms that job. It makes that job a lot more about service than it is about counting speed and accuracy. So in addition to uh, taking away a lot of tasks from an operational perspective, it also kind of changes the way your employees can even interact with your customers because it gives a lot of time back to the personal part of that interaction and not having to show the customer the top of your head while you're sitting there counting money in the transaction. Right. So let's intersect these technologies now with some of their resulting trends uh, and further expand on the trends that are, I guess, you know, fully realizing this idea of a smaller, more automated and more digital payment centric brick and mortar bank branch, Mm -hmm. right? Which is sort of this like confluence of um, the omni-channel nature of where banking is headed, still all manifesting around the brick and mortar footprint, Mm -hmm. which I I find very interesting. So let's start with cashless. This one's a a little more unique um, and one that you might say, "Mm, you know, why would you need a bank branch that's cashless at all? Isn't that kind of the point, right? But anyways, the concept of a cashless branch, I find intriguing. I'm curious if you can elaborate on this trend and how Automated devices like ATMs and TCRs are playing a pivotal role in this transformation. We'll start there. Yeah. So, uh, and I, the topic of cashless branches has has kind of started to become pretty hot over the last few years. Yeah. Um, and, and cashless sounds a little bit different than what the actual manifestation of it really is. It's not that there's not a single piece of cash in this location. Right. It's that you're not touching. Maybe it's more touchless non, you're not touching any of the cash. None right. of the employees are touching the cash mm. because it's all in automated devices that are self-service. Interesting. Um, so uh, when you go in and you need something that's cash related, uh, that money's always gonna go in and out of a device. Uh, if you need, even if you need assistance partway through that transaction, 
you were talking about video tellers a little bit ago, or even assisted service that's in person, um, an employee's there to help you. So it's not like a, you know, stark wasteland of, you know, tumbleweeds going by and no humans there at all. Right. Um, you still have that service element that you need to be a bank. Um, and those service elements or those service points, if they're transactional in nature, can come in via video. They can come in via, you know, an assist in the middle of the transaction. They're both working on the same kiosk or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, cash coming into the branch from a customer deposit or, or payment or cash going out of the branch through a withdrawal or a yeah. check cash or whatever comes in and out of an automated device. So um, there is, you, you kind of have a wide swath of processes now that you don't slim down, you've completely eliminated. Mm -hmm. You don't have to uh, take your big cash delivery from the CIT anymore because the money's going straight into the machines. You don't have to reconcile your vault at the end of the day or week or month because there is no vault to have cash in because it's all sitting in these uh, you know, self-service devices. Uh, so you've kind of totally created the way you not just build, but operate that branch. And it becomes enticing because now, because you've eliminated that wide swath of operational tasks and you're focusing on the relationship style tasks, those are the ones that are bringing value to the bank. Yeah. Um, you know, the, they're bringing value to the customers, but at the end of the day, it's also about bringing value to the bank, the company who is operating for profit, um, bringing in value as well. And when you can hit both of those, you're bringing value to your customer and you're bringing value to the bank. Mm. That's kind of the proverbial win-win, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think it speaks to, again, these technologies and operational models putting the customer experience yeah. first. And when that is the motivating factor for implementing new technologies, uh, for, you know, rethinking the literal size or operational feel of a brick and mortar location, uh, that's when you're going to see success. Because um, when the customer's happy, you win, yeah, that's right? right? That's a dub. That's a dub. Uh, so, I'm curious if you see this idea of cashless or maybe more specifically touchless. Mm -hmm. Do you see that becoming a standard for the industry or is that going to be a, kind of like a limited iteration of the bank branch? What do you yeah, think? That's a great question. I, I think um, it de depending on your time horizon would depend on how I Right. Are we talking question? two years or 50 because, years or whatever? Yeah, it, right. Because like the, the one... The, there's a couple places where it pops up even now, but it's a little bit experimental still because the technology is still relatively new when you pull it all together. Right. Um, and I, I don't see this being the default standard. All other bank branch operations don't exist anymore other than this one right. for a long, long time because there's still a lot of value in the way banks operate with manual processes as well. There's yeah. still a lot of uh, time and effort necessary to change all that if they're going to change it all. Um, but I do see it being a valuable tool for banks to use in uh, a couple of different vectors, right? In a, in a uh, footprint expansion type vector, it, it kind of gives a, a, another set, another level of optionality about how to enter uh, a different piece of your footprint. Yeah. Um, it also uh, provides a little bit of a, you know, right sizing uh, capability in some locations where you might need to um, add in a little bit of extra capacity in a location because a, a city might be getting more populous, more dense. Um, and the maybe maybe you have three branches in a relatively, 
you know, one zip code or two zip codes or one county or whatever, and it's become a little bit more dense. So now you need a fourth, but you might not need a full size fourth. You need three and a half maybe. Right. And it gives you a, it gives a bank an optionality to do that. Um, or even to kind of go a little smaller and more streamlined in some cases. Um, so I do think it'll be a valuable uh, tool and a valuable asset, but I, I don't think it's going to be the predominant one for a while. Yeah. Well, let's pivot over now to the micro branch. Yep. We've talked about this um, now at length here on the podcast, but uh, beyond kind of what's driving the trend, which I, I think is rather evident, right? Like a smaller physical footprint always makes mm-hmm. good yeah. economical sense, especially if you're trying to expand into more areas um, operationally. You know, if the technology works, it's less of an operational load. But regardless, how do you see these micro branches moving forward, fitting into a broader banking ecosystem, especially in some of these more densely populated urban, you know, metropoli across Mm -hmm. the United States. Um, So it's a little bit of like the extreme version of kind of the cashless or touchless style location. Like you can have a cashless branch that's still a relatively big location because you want to have a lot of advisors there or whatever. Right. That micro branch is kind of the extreme version of that where, um, you you know, you try to give as much capabilities to your customers in the smallest footprint possible Mm -hmm. so that you can be in multiple locations Um, and you can go into a lot of different locations. Uh, I do think that, especially to your point in urban locations, can be a very valuable uh, way to add um, add density, add access points to your customers um, without having to restrict yourself to, I got to find a large footprint area before I can even move in there. So um, I, I think that as the technology gets more mature and more standardized from an implementation standpoint, um, that will be something that I think you'll see a lot of in urban settings because it's gonna be something that gives banks a lot of optionality about how how they place their network, yeah. where they place their network, when they place their network, and even can be stepping stones where you know it's a micro now that evolves into a larger one later type of, uh, type of scenario where sure. it could be like the, the growth it could be a step in the growth path. Yeah, and what I like about the micro branch is that micro still means macro in terms of services, right? The yeah. smaller it gets, the technology is actually enabling for the smaller footprint to do as much, if not in some cases, more than a traditional branch. So that sort of dichotomy, I think, is interesting to see play out. Um, and I think it's something that's gonna make micro branches further standardized in the industry because I think banks are gonna be able to realize we can do way more with way less and still maintain, if not enhance the customer experience, like we've been saying, by putting more power back in the customer's hands to define that experience for themselves through tech. So, And really then focusing those human interactions really on the things that, you, you know, make you stand out as a bank, as a partner for your customer. Right. Um, the, and where they're really needed too. where they're really know, needed. Deploy yes. that humanity yeah. thoughtfully, right. not just kind of blase across the whole right. process. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and, and that's a great point too, right? Cause when in the days where you were building the cookie cutter 4,000 square foot branches, they all kind of had the same pieces to them too. Right. Um, so it wasn't quite as efficient deployment of those types of capabilities. And, right. and with a, like a micro branch, you can have a micro branch that is very focused on small business customers only yeah. in a location that is dense, like right in the middle of a bunch of small businesses. And then you can have another one that really doesn't even 
deal with small businesses because it's in a more suburban setting where there's just uh, you know houses as far as the eye can right. see, and there's not going to be any small business customers that go to that location, and you can place more of them because they're smaller, um, which means they draw from a, a little bit smaller area, which means that that user base can be a little bit more homogenous and it can be focused to a very specific need for your customer base. Right. Now, uh, as we start to wrap up the conversation, um, you know, a major trend here that I think is impacting the dynamics and the technology of the physical brick and mortar um, uh, bank branch is the evolution of digital banking, mm -hmm. online transactions, peer-to-peer -peer yeah. transactions. I mean, anything that really puts the power of banking on the phone, you know, mm -hmm. uh, is really leading the charge on the customer experience and then how the physical model adapts. So I'm curious, uh, you know, with that solidification of, of these services to some of the most customer-centric services in banking today, how do you envision physical branches trying to tap into that more and almost becoming an extension of the personalized digital banking experience? Where do you see that dynamic kind of, you know, I don't know, um, coming together? Yeah, so, and that that's a really good uh, question because that really kind of will drive um, how banks deploy all of the resources in their tool belt is to, to, to kind of get that message out to customers to create um, that stickiness with their customers so right. that they value their relationship. Um, you, you start to, you're starting to see now even in the online space a lot of a lot of banking style online interactions too, not just transactional style where you're opening an account online or you're you know uh, opening an IRA online or you're doing uh, investment like making major investment decisions um, in an online manner. Um, one of the things that you still see in that area, though, is that um, there is a large population of folks who get partway through an online account scenario or an online banking scenario and might have a question or two and just abandon the process because they didn't want to guess on their own. And that's not unique to banking. That'll ha that happens in a lot of places. But in banking, it's, it's a little more prone to that just because you're dealing with somebody's dealing with their own money. And that, it's, a, some, it's something that people don't want to make a mistake about yeah. and blame themselves for missing out on something or whatever. So I think there's there's a there's a, there's a couple of kind of pieces there, right? There's the one piece which mean which is that um, the more time and focus that's spent on that user experience online, whether it's making it more intuitive, easier to use so there are less questions or augmenting it with again being able to have someone pulled into the transaction even if it's via video or via text or what have you. Um, to immediately answer any question and alleviate a problem and get people back on track to finishing a process. Yeah, um, that's going to be an important, uh, a important way to make that also um, a more common use case, right? Um, but again, every one of those takes away traffic from a brick and mortar location. Right. Um, so the kind of the other part of that equation then is um, really understanding the mix of what people can reliably do online and creating the user experience that is so intuitive that people will reliably do it, and having those customers still feel like they have a connection with that institution that they value right. so that they remain a sticky customer mm -hmm. and they remain you know, with their IRAs at your institution and with their mortgage at your institution and because they have a relationship with the institution, not a transactional right. relationship with they just filled out a couple forms and now they're going to go fill out a couple forms somewhere else and move and to a different location, it, right. right? So I think that's going to, that's a challenge. And it's, 
again, not unique to banking. Any, all the self-service that has come into our lives with the internet, with video accessibility, with you know, self-service, any types of ordering, online shopping, that kind of stuff, it all brings challenges to brick and mortar locations. And one of those challenges is making sure that your brick and mortar location maintains relevance, but the other challenge is making sure that you've got the right mix. And maybe the right mix isn't as big on brick and mortar as it used to be. Right. I think uh, that's gonna be a key question to find out what's the right mix of locations where customers still feel like they can get to you, Right. but you don't have places that don't get any traffic at all because there's not enough people walking through the doors anymore because right. they can do all those things online intuitively, easily with help. Yeah. And you know, one of the I guess paradoxes of uh, self-service is that while it is a benefit to the customer, like you said, it does somewhat abstract and alienate that relationship mm -hmm. layer. It can be a lot easier for someone who has all of the power of banking on their phone to say, well, you know, Chase has been great, but I'm gonna jump over to Bank of America now. Yeah. And do that because the service is more or less the same across all functions, right? So as bank branches take on these automated services, uh, embrace digital banking and have their physical branches become extensions of that uh, ease of access to banking services, it's going to be even more key for those physical branches to help communicate the brand, mm -hmm. to have a layer of unique services, aesthetics, um, integrations with other aspects of, like you said, you know, life services like your investment accounts, mm -hmm. um, your loans, you know, life goals like saving up for college or retirement, all of that now actually becomes even more important to emphasize and to build relationships through rather than relying on the basic foundations of banking services to be kind of what attracts the customer and what locks them in. Yeah. It, if anything, it actually makes it a little more personalized and enhances the possibilities for that relationship. It's just gonna take some strategy to fully realize, I think. So. Yeah, I think so. I, I, when I worked in banking, um, not on the, you know, manufacturing side, sure. but actually at the a bank. On the bank side. Yeah, on the yeah. bank side. We like one of the things that we used to always kind of think about was, if you're a large national bank, a customer may a new customer may walk into your door because of the logo, but they decide to bank with you because of that branch manager because they have yeah. a relationship with that person, um, and uh, that's. Just like teller is a hard job and an important job, a, a branch manager is a hard job and it's an important job. And it's the one that those customers at the end of the day are actually you know, handing over their money to. Right. Um, you know, creating the relationship with. And that that is still an important aspect as you were talking about, create that relationship, under, make customers understand what's unique about it. Um, even though it's a maybe a national brand or it may be a regional brand or it may be a community brand, you're still doing a personal interaction and a personal, very personal business uh, uh, transaction or a business interaction with those people. And that's, yeah. you know, important to make sure stays part of that process. I agree. I agree. I don't think uh, we could end it on a better note. Uh, so I think with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up the conversation. Uh, I'll leave here with sort of a, a final comment for our audience. Mm -hmm. Anything that Hyosung Interview is working on specifically right now that is intersecting with these trends and anything that um, you know, our audience can turn to or look to for resources, hardware, or even just kind of advice or a pulse check on where the industry's headed. 
you know, by getting in, in touch with Hyosung Interview. Yeah, our, our website has a lot of information about that as well as the contact feature to get sure. in touch with us if you want to have a, a direct conversation about it too. Um, I think, you know, our company over the past few years has really kind of branched out into a lot of different types of technologies. Um, but at our at our core, at our heart, we're still um, really kind of specialize and focus on the, the cash automation tools and continuing to push the envelope on those things. Yeah. So, um, you know, taking ATMs from dispensers to dispense and deposit to recycling inside. Now, what's how do we continue to push that to make them even more self-sustaining, self-sufficient, um, to require less attention just to make sure they're up and operating uh, is some of the things that we're continuing to kind of push the needle on, um, as well as kind of expanding into other types of automation too, when we talk about point of sale um, automation. And um, I think uh, one of our latest ones, we've got this robot that makes coffee, which is kind of cool too. Ooh, so, um, so we're expanding in a lot of different places, but you can find about out, especially in, when, in that core banking functionality, there's a lot of resources on our website as well. And, and as you mentioned at the beginning, we've got quite a few episodes of, of me babbling on for about 45 minutes <laughs> on different topics too, um, that we can, if you're kind of captive in a car driving, you can kind of listen to it instead of read it on, read about it online. And again, you can always get in contact with us. We're happy to, happy to talk through anything. Love it. There's plenty of Bill Buddy content out there, folks. So <laughs> if you didn't get enough today, there is more. So Bill, thank you so much for your time. It's been really uh, insightful getting your perspective on these evolutions and, uh, you know, again, your experience working all sides of the banking ecosystem, I think, give us a really accurate and actionable uh, pulse on where the industry is at. So it's always a pleasure sitting down with you. Again, folks, we've been chatting with Bill Buddy, Vice President of Banking Strategy and Solutions at Hyosung Interview. And I'm looking forward to the next one, getting you back in studio. So Thanks let's make it a little me. sooner yeah. next time. You well, know? in one of these times, maybe we'll just talk about our favorite movies. Yeah, instead. exactly. <laughs> Don't leave me waiting so long, Bill. All right, Bill, thank you again for your time. Yeah. It's been Thanks great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. It. And thank you everyone for joining us on another episode of Banking Experiences, a Hyosung Interview podcast. If you like what you heard and saw today, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, heading to our website, hyosunginterview.com. Again, hyosunginterview.com for not only other episodes of our various podcast series, but to find out more about how we are helping move forward the world of banking and more. So thank you so much for your time today, folks. We'll be back with another episode very soon. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next one.